This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers, it's the People-Centric team here, and today we are going to answer the question, the question that all of you have asked, which generation is best? Which one is the best generation? We're not, that's not. We weren't planning on that. That's a short conversation. It's already split right down the middle. I thought that I thought Diana, you wanted to talk about like which is the best generation, which generation is the one that is the best. (laughs) At most things. Yeah. I believe that we will have differing opinions on that. We probably will have differing opinions on that because Diana's still kind of waking up because she's a millennial and it's like (laughs) one thirty in the afternoon. So that probably makes sense also live on the west coast where it's a little more chill here so like it is very early still that's you're breaking every millennial stereotype for our listeners right now that's what's happening yeah so matt and i are the gen xers on the call so we're generate we're, we're representing that generation but we do hear a lot uh, from our clients of hey people don't work the same way they used to work uh what happens we don't have the same work ethic that we used to have people used to be wanting to work hey people don't apply for these jobs anymore So we thought we should attack this issue and let's talk about generations at work. This is a topic that became super, super hot with the advent of millennials because millennials came into the workforce and were very different. They approached it very differently. And millennials were the majority of the workforce almost as soon as they entered into it because the millennials are a pretty big group versus Gen Xers and the ones before baby boomers. Uh, So the boomers got a lot of attention on the millennials because the boomers thought the millennials were going to be the next great generation. And then they entered the workforce and the boomers got kind of ticked off at them. They didn't like their approach. They didn't think that that was going to be as good as as they thought it was going to be. Now we don't have, it's not millennials that are entering the workforce. A lot of people say millennials are the younger people entering the workforce. No, the millennials are going into their thirties. They're having kids. They're buying houses. Finally, they were a little slow to the table buying houses. Thanks housing market. No problem. So now that the housing market's catching up, it's true. Diana, what? It's not the housing market. Well, I guess it is. It's the cost of housing. It's also the cost of our student loans. And you know what? We got forced to go to college to get low paying jobs. You know what? That's a whole, that's a whole other thing. Jump right into it. It's it's totally fine. No, it's fine. We respect you as a generation, (sighs) as the millennials. I mean, it's why we have seven different coffee shops within a block of our office. This is a safe space, guys. This is, a safe space. <laughs> this is not a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe. This is a safe. Talk about your feelings right now. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. That's why we're bringing this up. That's why we wanted to discuss this. So, for those of you listening, you are a baby boomer if you were born before 1963. That's when you were, if you're a baby boomer, okay. You are Gen X if you were born between 1963 and 1980. Now, these are kind of ish dates, right? People say, well, I thought it was 1981. It's not like someday somebody came along and said, whoop, after today at midnight, every baby born is going to be completely different than the babies born beforehand. Also, side note, we're also grossly stereotyping through this. So a little bit of a message about that. But so what, what we're going to talk about, what does all this mean? Millennials were born between 1980 and 1995-ish, around that time frame. And then Gen Zs are entering the workforce right now. So if you're young and you're entering the workforce, you are a Gen Z. Don't let them tell you you're a millennial. Don't let them tell you that because you're not. You're not. So today we're going to unpack those generations in the workforce. And so whether you are one of those generations and you want to fight us on it, please fight us. Fight us. Bring it up. 
if you're a millennial and you got up early to listen to this, appreciate you, you know, catching one of your two or three hours of work during the day. Really, that's great that you're here. Oh, it's a podcast. It's 1030. They just roll out of bed. They've got their latte. Now they're ready to listen to a podcast. Here's, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure millennials are our biggest uh, listeners. That's great. Maybe. Wow. I should double check that. <laughs> Probably, though. We, that was an example of a millennial fact-checking oh. just now. She just made it. Millennials it really like podcasts. That's what I was going for, being a millennial. Just I Googled it, and I found that we are the- Half of my people. <laughs> half of my people. That's what we're doing. Speaking so, on behalf of my people, I know we like our, our uh, podcast. That's what I'm trying to say. You do like your podcasts and your lattes and your pumpkin coffees. Um, that's great. And meanwhile, while the boomers and millennials are fighting things out, Gen Xers are just going to work and doing stuff. That's what we're doing. So Matt and I are Gen X. Diana and Bethany are more millennials, although Diana has renounced her generation. Would you like to do that publicly now? Would you like to go ahead I, and say- I'm not renouncing my generation. I'm just pointing out that without Bethany and I, a whole lot of less would get done with just the two of you. That's yeah. you Gen Xers just doing work seems a little, little contradictory on this tiny team. That's what I'm going to say. Would you like to spend more time talking about your feelings or can we get on with the podcast now? Which way can we go? Because she's not a millennial. She is uh, now what is known as a geriatric millennial. Is that right? Yeah, I hate that phrase, but that is what they're calling it. It hurts my heart and that's what they're calling us. And yeah. I, I, now you're lashing out. Now she's lashing out because she's a geriatric millennial. It's just so mean sounding like you're an old person millennial not a regular millennial so can i start the conversation with or maybe steer the conversation let's go let's go this direction one of the ways that we hear about this from different clients that we work with across the country is it's not necessarily these generational differences right they don't they don't ask for training on generational differences or they don't say this generation versus that generation it comes in the form of maybe frustration Maybe it's around the hiring process. Maybe it's around, you know, these kids, you know, we, we are kind of having fun and joking with each other about the different uh, generations that we're representing, but each, each generation, you know, that, and you'll probably see this in your own life too. Each generation is frustrated by the generation that comes after them. You know, Diana, you were talking about that just a little bit ago. There's a frustration that occurs and each generation that comes after them is kind of bred out of the generation that came before them. So it's this circular thing there's this ongoing learning and and you know you're, you're you're growing up and you're learning the things that you want to do that you like that you're handpicking and the things that they don't necessarily want to do and 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 the world changes uh, you know with each of these generations so it's not necessarily in the form of wow these generations i need more help with that it's and here's some frustrations that i'm now facing and a lot of times we're able to kind of backtrace those things to just these generational differences that we have in the workforce would you guys agree with that or what do you think about that sentiment there's a couple of really good, if you're interested in this topic, by the way, there's some couple of really good books on what Matt just talked about, that these generational effects, we all affect each other, right? We overcompensate for the generations before us. So my parents, when I was a kid, they would kick me out of the house, right? At seven o'clock in the morning and say, come back three hours after dark. And if you're not bleeding, you didn't do something right. Like that's the way we want to run that. For my kids, it's like we set up invisible, like, like fences outside that are like electrified. We have cameras all over. We watch them. We put foam down on the lawn because the grass is not soft enough. You can still get hurt on grass, like to really, really watch our kids. So we over adjust and, and make these mistakes. And then the generation's impacted by it. There's a couple books I'd recommend. One is called The Pendulum. It talks about how it swings back and forth. And it's, it goes from me to we generations is kind of the, the general trend of that. 
but every fourth generation, it tends to repeat itself. So the next generation after Gen Z's will look a little bit like the baby boomers do. So, so we've got that to look forward to. The next one is, at, there. everybody's laughing on the call here because we don't have any baby boomers on this. We don't have any baby boomers on this, but I'm not, we're not gonna say anything bad about baby boomers. I will just say, if you're a baby boomer listening something to the bad podcast, if you're a baby boomer listening to the podcast, way to go, way to find <laughs> us. That's great, good job. We're just having fun here today. We're just having fun. The other book is called The Fourth Turning, An American Prophecy. And it's really, that's an interesting book. It talks about like historical trends that happen over the course of 80 years. A generation typically is about 20 years. And those historical trends that occur about every 80 to 85 years are really interesting. If you go to the American Revolution, fast forward 80 years, you get the Civil War. Fast forward 80 years, you get World War II. Fast forward 80 years, you get now. Those are very similar times in their history where there's a lot of division, a lot of strife in the world. And a lot of that is caused by these generational differences. But we wanted to focus more just for you at work and focus on like, what do you, what can you do with all of this information? So, so what you're yeah. saying is people are very predictable. Yeah, we know what's going to happen. We're just waiting <laughs> to see if you find out. That's the, that's the punchline from yeah. all of this. Yeah, so let's, um, and, and Don, maybe this is a good time to point this out as well. I know that I've used this in speaking with different groups, and we're talking about the people and the staff, the group of employees that we are managing, but you've talked about this idea of the sandemic, right? And I think this plays right into this conversation as well, because I think there's two things that are outside of, of the scope of just regular talks about generational differences. One is this idea of the sandemic, this, this shortage of people applying for the jobs. You might have a job now that you have been trying to fill. And it feels like, you know, I used to be able to throw this out there and 100 people would apply for it. And that afternoon, and now it's, you know, I've, I've had 15 people in three months apply for this job. And this idea of sandemic is 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day from now through 2030. So you're feeling that lack of that lack of employee applying for the job. But we're also feeling this crunch of needing to fill the job and the people that are coming to fill the job are different than those that are leaving for sure, right? So this idea of the, 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 the sandemic, would you add anything to that, Don? Yeah, and some of them don't even want the jobs that are available. So we've heard that a lot, especially like in manufacturing, things like that. It used to be where somebody would come to you for a manufacturing job when they were 13 and stay with you for the rest of their life. Like, yeah. I'm going to be there for forever. Nowadays, it's like they're having trouble even recruiting people for jobs to work in manufacturing and some some segments of manufacturing, especially ones where the physical labor is very difficult or the temperature is difficult, all those things that are that, that exhaust people. And then they're finding that when people do accept those jobs, they sometimes don't work as hard. So, so there's a little bit of that that's also going on. Is that a trend? Is that something we're going to have to deal with? Is that just or is that or, you know, Matt, too, just to float, to float this out there for everybody to think about. Or are we just seeing the difference between people who are just older and people who are just younger? Sometimes, sometimes we wrap those up in generational differences thinking, oh, that whole generation doesn't wanna work as hard. Or is it more like a 20 something year old doesn't like to work as hard? So that, that there's, there's a little bit of that that's, that's wrapped up into all of this too. Yeah, and, you know, and, and just to put another layer to that too, this whole, you know, the pandemic with COVID that happened, business changed and then now people are starting to come out of the other side of it going okay now we're ready to get back to normal you know quote unquote now we're ready to get back to normal let's hire the staff let's do work like we always did and diana i know you've talked about it too some of these generational differences with the gen z like they are they are they are describing how they want to go back to work kind of like don had just talked about that this is the, you know and maybe i maybe it's not even gen z necessarily but the employee now post pandemic or at the end of the coming out of the pandemic is a different employee than what the employee was 
pre-pandemic. And I think sometimes people label that to maybe the generational differences, and maybe there is some of that, but I think it's just the different worker now too, because we see that in, in various ages, right? So let's talk about this. Let's kind of identify the different generations. So who are the generations that we're talking about? And really, what are they? What are, what are some of those things, maybe those details or those specifics, like what are some telltale signs of a, of, of a certain generation? Like what are, the, what are the things that they might be known for? So I can walk us through these generations at here just yeah. briefly. So we talked about them briefly. I mean, there's the baby boomers. Baby boomers are known for being very productive. They're hardworking. They're the post-war babies. They were, no, they were, if you don't know this, a baby boomer comes from after World War II. There was a boom of babies after World War II. If you don't understand that, just think about it and then you'll that's get that. But there's a different podcast. That's another topic. That's a different topic that we'll, we'll yeah. put out there for everybody. Brian is saying, no, we're not going to do that topic. But uh, there was a big boom of in the population and there are a lot of baby boomers. It was a very, very big generation. So it's this wave of people that have been going through. They, they tend to be very productive, hardworking team players, mentors. Some of the cons against that generation, they tend to be labeled as being less adaptable. And a little less collaborative. It's kind of like, can I just go to jo- go to work and do my job and, and do what I do? And again, we're horribly stereotyping as we go through these, but that's what that's what baby boomers are typically known for. And I think, uh, you know, just to add to that too, you know, horribly stereo- stereotypical, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind too, because you might be sitting there going, yeah, that's totally the baby boomers that I know, that I've worked with. Or you might be sitting there going, oh man, that, I, I've known some of the exact opposites. So we are painting with a broad brush as we're talking about uh, talking about these things, but those tendencies. And I, I think as soon as you just talked about baby boomers, it's probably a good idea just to remind us this sandemic that we were talking about, those people and those characteristics that you just described, the hardworking, loyal employees, that's the batch of people that are retiring at such a pace now that they've been there forever, they've gained this knowledge and now it's, it feels like we're, we're, if I'm a business owner and I'm trying to hire or a manager, I'm trying to hire these people, it's an uphill battle to replace that knowledge, that tenure, that loyalty that that, that person now is leaving. It's a big hole. Yeah. It's a, the baby boomers are retiring at a rate of 10,000 per day in the United States. So 10,000 baby boomers are leaving. They're the ones that have the most experience in their jobs because they've been around the longest, taking away a lot of job knowledge, a lot of relationships, a lot of executive experience, and a lot of presence with them. In terms of what they get scored, there's surveys that you can pull up that each survey that people just said, which generation is best at? And there's lists of things. You know, baby boomers score the highest on executive presence and also cost effectiveness. They tend to be the more thrifty people of what's that going to cost us. So executive presence and cost effectiveness. So that's that's why you would want to invite baby boomers to your parties. That's why, because they have an executive presence and they're cost effective. Another that was kind of a joke. They're all yeah. muted, so they're laughing like crazy. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> the next generation is Gen Z or Gen X, Generation X. Generation X was originally called the Lost Generation uh, when it came out, when it was being reported on, because it felt very different than the Boomer Generation. It's a much smaller generation. There's a lot fewer people. Gen X are generally recognized for their managerial skills, their ability for revenue generation and problem solving. They tend to be more independent than even boomers are. They tend to say, oh, I'm going to go off and do my own thing and figure this out. They were the first generation not to be loyal to their employers because they saw their parents not being, not their, their parents' employers not being loyal to them. So they were the first latchkey kids, you know, coming home after school and your parents weren't home because your parents are all working, chasing the American dream, that kind of thing. The cons against the Gen X are considered to be less cost-effective where we rack up debt. We tend to spend money It's no problem. And we tend to have less of an executive presence. We're the first generation to come in and not wear the ties to work and that kind of thing. So 
that's them. Now, if you want to talk about what are these gener what's this generation also recognized for doing best of the generations, they score the highest on just these little skills. I'm just going to rat rattle a couple of these things off, Matt, you know, just a couple of things. Yeah. Generating revenue is number one. That's uh, they're also the top of being adaptable. They're also the top in being collaborative. They're also the top in being problem solvers. And they're also the top of being relationship builders. So those are kind of important things, but you know, um, it's just the data, Gen X. Seems yeah, now I know, I know I said we're painting with a broad brush for the baby boomers, but really that's all the, the what you just described there is probably 100% factual for the Gen X. That, that hits the nail on the head really for every Gen X person I know. Yeah. 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 Diana, do you input? Diana's just stunned. Diana, you're muted. She's just yeah. stunned. Millennials She's the tech award though. You're muted. I'm fumbling <laughs> with my mute during a generational differences video. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to millennials who are known for being tech savvy uh, oh my gosh i've That's betrayed my entire jump. generation in one minute <laughs> yeah. i would just like to say that i think neither diana or i would necessarily consider ourselves highly technical like would not yeah i would yeah. not yeah that's okay yeah pretty average on that that's why you see her like millennials also are not very i don't know motivated sometimes okay you know <laughs> you, have to, you have to go right there i just added yeah. that part i just added that that's not really on anything i just threw that out there for the two of you oh, but what are millennials known for they're known for being enthusiastic they are known for being tech savvy they're known for being very entrepreneurial right now there's a boom in the what, what's the what's the word i'm looking for the the market where you're self-employed right the gig economy the gig economy thank you i knew you'd have the trendy phrase for me <laughs> Since uh, you were going. it's the gig economy right just to be able to go out and find out your own your own thing and going and doing that and that's that's been led by the millennial generation going and becoming uber drivers and starting their own businesses they're very entrepreneurial and they're also very opportunistic they look for opportunities out there and they find them they're the first generation that taught themselves how to do stuff on youtube they're the first generation that jumped really in and got introduced to the internet and so that they're, they're also their cons, their cons are, and this is not, I'm not saying this, these aren't my cons. This is on the research related data article that I've pulled up here, but cons are they're known for being lazy, unproductive and self-obsessed. How come you didn't do any cons for Gen X? I was there, just thinking that. I don't there weren't any. He scrolled all the way to the bottom and there weren't, there weren't any. It said know. that the cons were less cost-effective and less executive presence for Gen X, which is like, we still have those things. <laughs> They're just a little bit lower than another generation. I don't know if I believe anything you're saying anymore. You I can't decide. <laughs> yeah. On the internet? Do you even know how to use the internet, sir? Is we that? Did Google, we did the Google and found it. Oh, no. Did oh, you no. fact check your Googling? <laughs> just we did the Google and we pulled it up. <laughs> I found it and it had over like 25 million search results according to Google's page. So apparently this is a fact. So I'm just telling oh, you right gosh. now. Just telling oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay. Last generation that's currently in the workforce right now that's entering the workforce are Gen Zs. Gen Zs are actually known for being hardworking. They're been for being dedicated to like jobs and they're going to be a little bit more loyal. They're a little more individualistic where millennials were more about team in terms of where, where they were going. And the uh, Gen Zs cons are that they tend to want everything now. They're impatient. 
and still a little bit charged with work ethic, but I think that's going to be TBD. I think they're just entering the workforce. They're only the first five or six years into the workforce. So I think that's going to be, see what, see what's happening next. So those are the different generations coming in. You know, we're having a lot of fun with this, just talking about those stereotypes that are out there. But some of you probably can look at it as a big picture and say, like, if you put a group of baby boomers in a room with a group of Gen Zs, can you feel the generational differences? You absolutely can. They come up a lot. Also, last thing to say about these generational differences is this is the first time in history where we have this many generations all working together in the workforce. People are working longer than they were ever working before. And so they're working together now where in the past that didn't happen as much. They didn't intersect with each other as much. Also, more things have changed from baby boomers who lived a lot of their lives without internet to Gen Zs who can't even imagine what life without the internet is like. Mm -hmm. uh, Gen Zers tend to be a little bit less tech savvy, believe it or not, than millennials, because that wasn't a thing. Millennials grew up with it, but they saw it and they learned it and they, it was, they came of age along with the technology and they embraced that. Gen Zs, it just always was there. So I, I laugh, my son, my kids are Gen Zs, both of them. And like I, my kids don't really do a lot of like computer stuff. Like that's not, they kind of do stuff. They, they know stuff. My, my daughter can, can program, which is awesome. But when you talk about things like PowerPoint or creating a spreadsheet or things like that, they're not that much into it. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. I feel like there's probably different tools though, or mechanisms for like creating things that they would use that we had, that we as millennials grew up learning how to use. I mean, I don't know how to make a reel on Instagram. That's like one of the new things that I don't know how to do that I think the, the next generation could teach me. So if anybody wants to teach me how to make a reel, I'm here. I'm here for it. Just I don't even me. know what that is. I don't even know what that is. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> I always laugh because I remember struggling through technology. Like I, I remember people, people being like, this is the coolest new thing. And then I'd try it and be like, this is so frustrating and terrible. Why does everybody want to use this thing? And now when I go to try something new, I have that in my mind of like, I got a new ring system this weekend and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take hours to put up and it's going to be like fiddly and, and messy. And it was so slick and so easy. And I was like, people have no idea what we used to deal with. Like they just don't know anymore. Yeah. The baby boomer generation had to figure out how to hook up the Ataris for their kids, which was, which required a screwdriver and removing the TV off the back panel <laughs> was a thing. Atari, like Gen Xers just played the games and got really good at it and had fun with it. But the games were slow and took a long time and we played, spent un amount, unjustified amounts of time playing games like Combat and Space Invaders that had very, that didn't have characters or just a very simple game like that. And uh, when the games didn't work, you just blew on the cartridge. And I don't know how everybody knew how to do that, but an entire generation knew how to do that without the internet. Like, That's a side note. We've talked about that because that was before the crazy. internet. It wasn't like yeah. you looked up and said, my game and my Nintendo won't work. Everyone knew that if you just blew on the inside of it and then stuck it in there, it would work again. Mm -hmm. And it worked every time. I don't. Very strange. Social so weird. Network. Yeah. So let's, let me ask this question. So Diana and I had the opportunity to travel to Denver, Colorado and, and lead a, a, a seminar with some wonderful people um, in healthcare last week. And Diana, I don't know if you remember or not, or if you're around that table that I was, and there was a, a lady at the table that said she had, she's 
tried to retire for the last three years, but they keep giving her little projects and uh, and she's a manager. And she was talking about the struggle of hiring some of these new kids that are coming out. And she can't believe some of the conversations that they're having. Like it used to be like, here's the schedule. This is when you would start. And it's like, mm, I'm gonna, let's see, I'm free on these days and I'm free at these times, you know, and this is the amount of money that I would, and, and, you know, and for her, some people would be like, well, that's, that's kind of unreasonable for her. She said, it frustrates the heck out of me. Like it frustrates me to death to sit there. Like what audacity do you have to come dictate your terms to me? You know, part of that might be again, the hiring market right now, but the other part of that too is, okay, so we need, we need workers, managers and companies need workers to be able to help us achieve the things that we want to achieve. And the stereotype or maybe the misnomer is that Generation Z doesn't necessarily want to go to work. They do, but they're defining that maybe just a little bit differently. So let's maybe switch gears a little bit to how do I manage through some of these different generational differences? So if I'm a manager of a team of people and, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we could start with Gen Z. Like what, what feedback do we have as far as, I guess, a manager trying to do their best to be able to manage, I got to get stuff done but it seems like this worker now is maybe a little bit more difficult for me to deal with. What are some, I don't know, some feedback there, some tips we could talk about managing this, this uh, Gen Z employee. So, I mean, I think to start, <clears throat> I think when you think about generations at work, I think it really does get tied into just the age of the people and their experience level. So when we're talking about Gen Z right now, you're talking about somebody who's in their twenties coming into the workforce. Gen Z's and millennials both want to feel significant. They want to feel like they're making an impact. That's actually a universal trait. And by the way, you're going to start to hear us do this theme of like, that's actually a universal trait, just the different generations display it differently. Everyone wants to feel significant in what they do. So can you find a place where a new person coming in can own something? Can they own something? And it could be something really small. It could be something really, really simple. But can you find a place where somebody comes in where they can have some choice, some autonomy. I like it. I had a friend of mine was, is a professor and uh, studies motivation. And, and she, said, she says autonomy is something that's a very universal trait that we all, we all want to have. But she says autonomy is not freedom. You know, it's, it's more of like freedom within a framework. So can you manage somebody coming in who's young, who wants to take over the world and wants to do all these things? Can you give them some free space to be able to operate in what they're doing, but within a framework, you know, you own this little, this little piece of this, this corner of the world. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good tip for anybody coming in who's, who's young uh, of any generation really to manage. I think another tip is that you need to provide clarity around your expectations. So many people, I hear the phrase of like, common sense isn't common anymore, well, that's because there's no such thing as common anymore. Everybody has their own ideas of what something should look like or how a job should work. And I think we have to start being clear about our expectations up front instead of assuming that everyone understands that this is some weird basic law of work. Yeah, and, and I like that, painting the clear picture. Both of you kind of talked about that. How do I still make this person, instead of this generation, how do I make this person or this employee feel valued? How do I clearly outline the expectations of what this role looks like? I think another part is very introspective as a manager. And, and maybe ask yourself a few a few different things. Maybe it's not, maybe, maybe that, that generation, okay, maybe that generation has changed, but maybe your job has changed. Maybe your process has changed. You know, speaking of healthcare, 
how much has healthcare changed in the last few years, like tremendously. Uh, Diana and I had an amazing conversation with somebody in Denver about the processes that, 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 that their company uses and to avoid you tear your MCL or ACL or whatever, you know, you might automatically think about surgery. This is a place in Denver that actually will, will do the, I don't know, all of the reconstruction through your own DNA or cellular molecular structure or whatever, and it will rebuild itself to avoid the surgery. And it will be better even than after the surgery was like, so maybe your job has changed. Maybe the process has changed. Maybe the science behind your job has changed. And, and, and maybe one of those things to ask is, um, okay, so maybe that, that was the person that I needed for that job, but what type of person do I need now for this job? Or a few years from now, talking about aspirations. One of the, one of the uh, podcasts we recently recorded was on strategic planning, and one of those parts of strategic planning was aspirations. Understanding where it is that we're going as a company, what are the types of people that I need, and how can I ebb and flow to be able to make positive, great work happen into the structure of these people's lives because I recognize the value that they're about to bring to the table too. And we can get creative like that as well. Done? Yeah, that connection to the why is really, really important. <clears throat> I like that. And I just want to acknowledge because I was I was kind of putting on my listener hat here and listening to us talk about all these things that we're giving to Gen Zs. And I can hear some people who are hiring right now going like, what are they going to give me back? They need to give me something back. What do they are they going to give me back? And I think the thing that you should be looking for as a currency, if you want to think of it that way, is that they should be giving you back ownership in what they do, ownership in their performance, ownership in the mission of your organization. Uh, Gen Zs are very cause oriented. Um, millennials were a little cause oriented. Gen Zs are very, very cause oriented. They need to believe in the company that they work for. So by sharing that why, they should start to take some ownership. And when you see them take some ownership, then that's something you can build from. And that's where you want to give them some, some autonomy. You want to reward that. If, they, if anybody any, that works for you stops taking ownership in what they're doing, you have a problem. You've got a disengaged or even toxic employee who's fighting you. So I, I think that's the thing. What can they give you? What can you look for them from day one is I think you should expect ownership from them, but the ownership is going to come by what are they going to own? So that's you giving them something to take and be successful in and then watching them take ownership of it. And as they take ownership of it, keep expanding that circle, keep building on here's, I can give you more and more stuff, more and more things to own, more and more opportunities for success. If, as long as you own it, as long as you continue to own it. John, is it true? And this is open for anybody, I guess, um, as well, but is it true that these younger, younger generations, maybe it's millennials, maybe it's Gen Z's, that they don't have a problem of jumping from job to job or opportunity to opportunity. Have we seen that as well? Yeah, I mean, that's that was something that actually started with Gen X in terms of job hopping. I mean, Diana, you're gonna say something, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say that also changed because the world is more interconnected and it it was a United States thing that people stayed put. Globally, people have always job hopped and it has to do with sort of the regulations in other countries and how their workforces work. But globally, people stay at a job around two years. That's the global statistic. And as we've become more connected with the global world and the and more networked in, you know, that sort of international corporate structure, our United States structure has shifted a little bit too. And that has changed over the years. So like people are staying at jobs less and less. So one of the things that we consistently hear, and I know I'm not the only one around this table that has heard this as well, but we consistently hear of why would I invest or train or 
pour into this person they're just going to leave anyway like what are some it seems like that's also a part of the conversation i don't know if it's a I, I do think it's kind of a generational thing, uh, mindset as well, that yes, I don't have a problem job hopping. It's not always for the money either, by the way. I think that's a misnomer. It's not always for the money. It might be about the experience or it might be about the flexibility. It might be about this season of my life. And so I'm gonna go do this to adapt the job to my life instead of my life to the job, uh, which I think we see. I think we see that too. But I think a lot of managers have a hard time getting over that hump of why am I going to invest the time if they're just going to leave anyway? What would we say to that? I understand that perspective and I get that's frustrating, but I also think that that's almost like saying, I'm going to jump into a relationship, a romantic relationship with somebody assuming they're going to leave me and I'm going to treat them that way. That's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy at the end of the day. If I treat you like I'm expecting you to leave, you're probably going to leave. We do see a lot of employers that treat their employees like they expect them to leave. I'm, so I'm not going to share the why. I'm not going to give you more information. I'm not going to give you more responsibility. I'm not going to coach you. I'm not going to invest in you. And then their employees leave. Mm -hmm. You can do better than you can be a great employer where people will stay with you longer. And then if they don't stay with you longer and they leave, don't look at that as a failure. Look at that as just a success for them. What did you contribute to their career? Because they're going to talk about you when they leave. So be a great employer, be the, be great in that relationship. Don't enter into the relationship, assuming it's going to fail. Yeah. And I, you know, in the interview process, take the opportunity to ask those questions. I don't think you write people off just because they have job hops necessarily. I think if they have really good experience and they're figuring out how to apply it to this job that they're, that they are applying for, and they can talk about those experiences and how it's going to help them moving forward and what they learned and how they grew, then I think that's a win. I think there is a lot of exploration that can happen there. And so I think it's just, I think it's how people present those experiences and the different jobs that they've had. I love that, Bethany, because when we listen to, we will help sometimes companies interview people. And I think one of the things we listen to when somebody's had a lot of job hopping is tell us about the jobs that you've had and where you've been successful. Mm -hmm. And when they tell the story, sometimes you'll hear two different lenses from that. One story is, yes, I came into this company and I did this, this, and this, and it was great. And I learned this new passion and I decided I wanted to narrow my field. And so that's why I did this jump and they have a really clear path and they made a positive impact everywhere they've gone. That's a positive job hopper. The negative job hoppers, I went into this and I was going to really make this huge impact for them, but they didn't let me do it. They kept me back. They weren't the right employer. So now I'm just looking for the right employer to come in, to hire me, to, to unleash me on the world because I am awesome. And the, the previous six employers have not discovered it yet. That's what I would call a negative job hopper. So I think that's, I think you want to watch those two different things in terms of how those stories are shared. Yeah. And I was having a conversation the other day with a boomer and the boomer said something to the effect of, man, I was at that job for 30 years and I did not like it for a single minute. And I was like, well, why on earth did you stay? Like, why did you continue to do that? And he was like, well, because I had a pension and because they paid me really well. And like I said, so you were basically golden handcuffed to this job that you hated. And he was like, yeah, I was. So I think that we've also eliminated some of those things that like golden handcuff people to you. Cause I hate that. But I think it's been a good change of saying like, if you're not happy and it's not worth you staying, like go ahead and go. And I think we've given employers employees the freedom to say, I don't want to be here. And I think that's good for economies. Boomers have been very traditionally tolerant of bad management. That doesn't mean that you should have bad management. The bad management, the boomer that stayed with you in a job for 32 years and hated it, 
that wasn't as productive as they could have been if they had stayed with that job and loved it, if you had managed them well. So a lot of the things that you're doing that we're saying that you should do to manage Gen Zs or millennials are things you probably should have also done to manage boomers too. Not to steal the punchline, but that's a, that's a big punchline. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're, we're saying, I think we've covered this topic pretty well. Um, we're, we're saying that that uh, managers can still manage despite generational differences. So you might have to take a look inside and, and at the role, at the job that you're hiring for, and maybe even how you manage certain generations uh, and those generational differences. And also at the end of the day, let's dispel some of those rumors. We've had some fun with these generational differences, but every, all of them want to feel valued. All of them want to feel like they have a place. All of them want to feel like you, you value the contribution that they are making. They want to have an opportunity to be able to go to work and do good work. They want to have an opportunity to be able to go home and feel satisfied that they made an impact that day, you know, to help, to help the organization or to help the company and not just themselves too. Like, I think those are universal traits um, as well. So can we balance those things? Can we manage those things? Yes, but it's not, a, you know, we used a blanket statement earlier. It's not a blanket statement of how I manage all my people. I might have to meet some people where they are and understand the differences that they bring to the table in order to be able to have the most productive um, employee manager relationship that I can too. So how about we go around the table once more and let's give uh, one, I don't know, takeaway. You can go for the employee if you want to speak directly to the employee that is trying to find their way in this work world, or you can go to the manager level, you know, or business owner. How do I interact or manage with these people? Let's give some quick tips here as we go. Diana, start us off. I'm going to go with sort of both. I know you said I could go either direction. I'm going to be odd man out and go both. Anytime anybody asks me about generational differences, I always say like, those don't really matter. People are different, right? Yes, generations are different. And there are a lot of things we could come together and talk about. But at the end of the day, individuals are different. So how do I interact with that individual? How do I manage that individual? And I don't think you should be looking at it as a generational thing. I think you need to look at it on an individual basis and figure out how best to interact with that human. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Bethany. So I think to the maybe older generations, those of you who are looking to retire in the next few years, you managers or executives, I think, you know, I hear from you within, you know, within our, our work at People Centric, and sometimes there's that frustration, right, with the younger generations of people coming in and kind of thinking about how are we going to get, how are we going to maintain our effectiveness as a business or as an organization once my generation retires? And that's a great question. But I think instead of being frustrated and feeling like, you know, everything's going to blow up, basically, once you all retire, think about how to really use your level of expertise and experience to actively coach and mentor the younger people that are coming into your organization to literally take your job. And yes, I said that like you need to coach people to take your job. So take somebody under your wing that you see potential. They Their chances are they're going to feel honored no matter what generation they fall under is if somebody takes time to say, hey, I see potential in you. And if you're interested, I would love to help you learn how to do my job, literally. So that's what I would recommend. That's awesome. I like it. Don? I want to drop a couple truth bombs. So get ready for this. Okay. Right. First, I want to talk to the managers in, in the room here listening to this podcast. If you tell, there's certain things that we hear as consultants, people say a lot. And we'll hear the words that you say, and we go, that's a pattern. 
And what you probably really mean is this. And so I'm going to translate that from what, what, what I hear to what the consultant, we as consultants think. Whenever I hear a manager say, I have a problem with this generation at work, what I hear as a consultant is that you have a management problem at that job. So if you're saying that, if you're saying you have a problem with the generation at work of them, they don't work as hard, all those types of things. If you're having that issue, I'm going to throw it back to you and I'm going to say, you very likely actually have a problem with how you're managing your people. Now, if you're an employee listening, I'm going to drop another truth bomb to you. If you tell me as a consultant, hey, I've got a problem with management. We have a huge problem with management on our team. Our management is terrible in our company. What I hear is that you have a problem. I hear you have a problem. It's really easy as an employee to blame our management doesn't treat us enough. Our management doesn't know how to manage Gen Zs or doesn't know how to manage millennials. They don't give me the freedom or they don't do all these other things. The problem with all of that, all those things that you're saying is those are things you can't control. You may have people that can't manage well, but if you're an employee, you need to be wildly successful in what you do despite what your management does. Do it with a do it well, do it with a good attitude. And if they continue to be bad management, do it, then smile and go find a better job. Go find something better. But if you're complaining constantly that management is a problem, it's probably you. So nice. there you go. Two truth bombs. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to speak uh, to the managers and the employees. First, to the employees. Um, I know a lot of this has been, you know, we've kind of taken a stance of how do I relate to that generation? And I think each person within that generation probably could do a good job of saying, how do I relate better to to other people, instead of waiting for them to cater to me or to, to interact with me in the way that I need them to, I think, you know, we challenge people a lot like this. How do I, how do I just myself as a person seek to try to interact and work well with other, with other people, despite our differences. The, another thing, if I'm speaking to the managers right now, the managers might be asking the question of themselves, like, how do I relate to these people? Like, how am I supposed to relate to these people? And I'm just going to start really simple, like ask them, ask the question. Try to have a conversation to gain some common ground if you feel like you're very, very separated, maybe because of the age difference or generational differences. But ask the question, start the conversation. And then finally, I'm going to piggyback kind of on what Bethany was talking about with the older generation. I know she was taking it kind of as a stance of, you know, proactively try to help teach people to do your job because ultimately you're going to be gone sooner rather than later. I'm going to take it from a managerial perspective. Some managers are terrified to lose some of those baby boomers that are there because they have all of that knowledge. Now is the time to work with that person to gain whatever knowledge out of that mind of theirs for the processes that we are trusting them to run. Because chances are, we've worked with a lot of companies, chances are there is not a training manual somewhere around that shows what it is that they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and you're terrified to lose that person. So proactively go get that information. Now, maybe work with that person and you know, let them leave with grace and maybe work with that person to help you create a training manual for the next person in line. But I think, you know, I love it if they take the initiative, if, if they want to take the initiative to do that themselves. But I think that's also a proactive managerial role to go get it, go get the information and work with them together to create a training manual for that role. So anyway, lots of information. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and it was fun, uh, but also I think informative, if I might say so myself. If you have other questions that you'd like uh, further clarification or different avenues of conversation you'd like to hear from us, we always love to entertain those, uh, those thoughts as well. So thanks again for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.